come back with me in time to 2001. There were some big changes happening in my life and things were about to get crazy. But I had a new iPod and I could load it with music. I created a playlist that would help me unwind, relax. It was like musical therapy. Hey, this is Stacy Julian with episode 90 of Exactly Enough Time. podcast about being present. It's about recognizing the time you have to enjoy the people, places, and things important to you. Did you know we can choose to be curious and playful, to live with intention, and to create connection? I am a life enthusiast and a storyteller. I interview interesting people and talk about what they do and why they do it. Listen up. I think you'll find inspiration for living your life and telling your story because you have exactly enough time. Hello, friends. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am just happy to be here. It's a good day. So that music by Brian Crane, he is a composer. He has been a composer for many, many years, and his music is often used as the score for award-winning children's films, for movies, and commercials. And I discovered uh, the album, A Simple Life, and that particular song is one of my favorites on it. It's called A Walk in the Forest. And I chose to share it with you today because my guest is my dear, dear friend, Diane Smith, and She is like music therapy to me. She is actually a licensed marriage and family therapist. But I promise, sitting down to talk with her is like taking a walk in the forest. It is relaxing. It is unwinding. It is so insightful. Diane and I met in college. We've never lived in the same state. But we've pretty much raised our children in parallel together. We take major family vacations with the Smiths. And just recently, my husband and I met Diane and her husband in St. George, Utah for a quick escape weekend. And that's when I recorded this conversation. So about the time that my life was getting crazy in the world of memory keeping, Diane decided to go back to school and to begin to earn her degree as a marriage and family therapist. So I know as you listen to her, learn more about her background, uh, you're just going to come away with some really great insight into, especially right now, how we can be better equipped and more emotionally resilient. Before I cut to my conversation with Diane, though, I want to read to you a recent podcast review. Oh, it's such a good one. This is from Destiny CH. Stacy is always so upbeat. She encourages me to think about how to tell my stories. She ends every episode asking her guests to finish this sentence. Today, I have exactly enough time for. I always ponder this, and I often think about my answer from a memory-keeping perspective. Today, as I was listening, I realized I have exactly enough time to play with my boy. 
He always wants to play. He's six. And I usually do. But often it's grudgingly. Today on my lunch break, he of course wanted to play. I decided to embrace that I have exactly enough time to play with him. We went to the playground and had less than 30 minutes. It was the most fun I've had with him at the playground in a long while. I think it was my change in perspective that I have exactly enough time to do this. Thanks, Stacy, for helping me have a great time with my boy. <gasps> what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I love this so much, Destiny. I couldn't have left myself a better review because that's exactly what I'm trying to create for listeners is this permission, right? To decide that we do, in fact, in small pockets of time, have exactly what we need to create connection with the people we love most. So whether it's memory keeping or playing in the park, I just love it. And I appreciate so much anyone and everyone who takes the time to leave me a review. Thank you. And now, here's my friend, Diane. Diane, you know I love you. I adore you. I'm so happy always to be with you. Thank you for agreeing to come on my podcast. I think that where I would like to start is just, I'd like you to talk about you for a minute and maybe your background, a little life experience. Um, what has brought you to this place where you desire to you, you desired to become a marriage and family therapist. Did I say it right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Thank you. I am. I'm thrilled for this opportunity. This <laughs> is great, and and I love that we get to sit down together and talk about my one of my favorite subjects. So yeah, a little bit about me. I think, and and I think what I would do is I'd probably explain it in chronology. Um, but I didn't come to appreciate some of the experiences that I had um, until I was older, that they really did feed into my journey on mm -hmm. this passion of becoming a therapist. Okay. So when I was three, I remember watching um, Sesame Street. Yeah, of course. Years ago. And um, there was a particular, there's a particular episode on there, and you know those episodes are just very short snippets of mm -hmm. different, I, what, the way that I took them now that I'm looking back on it is um, preparation for life, whether yeah. it's um, people skills or whether it's organization or whether it's humor or whatever it might be, right. um, just different life skills put into a dramatization of yeah. you know, characters yeah. and brilliant. This particular um, episode was uh, just, it was um, two shapes, three, shape, three shapes that were moving around the screen. There were two circles and a triangle. And they were moving around the screen. It was like they were dancing to okay. um, music. And what I, what I noticed was that the behavior of the circles started to move the triangle out. And the triangle would change shape and it would look like it was sad, that it wasn't being included with the circles. Interesting. And I remember just sobbing as I was watching this small episode of mine. I remember my mom came over and she said, What's, what are you crying about? And I didn't know at the time. I didn't know. I just knew that I felt so bad for the triangle who was <gasps> being 
you know, who was, was being left out of yeah. the circle time. Feeling excluded or feeling influenced maybe in a, in a wrong, not a wrong way, a, a way that wasn't positive yes. by these circles. By these circles. And huh. I just remember it, I was so sad. And my mom would say, well, let's turn it off. And I'd say, no, I want to keep watching. But I would still be sad about it. And I always have thought back to that early memory and huh. wondered, why was that something that was so emotional for me? Mm-hmm. And I realized that it has been, I'm going to get emotional. It's welcome here. We welcome emotion. <laughs> okay. This is the right podcast to explore emotion. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, good. I'm in the Stacey's right Stacy's a crier. You can stay. <laughs> That's right. We're, this is a safe space yes, here, right? Yes, it is. Oh. I love it. So, um, but I realized that I have always been a huge advocate for the underdog. Yeah. And, um, and that was really my earliest memory of huh. just from a body-based perspective that yeah. I really want, I really loved and looked out for the underdog. Um, been such an advocate. I know my husband and I would sit down and we'd watch a sports team and, you know, and he was passionate about one and I'd say, I'm just rooting for offense. <laughs> you know, I just, it does I don't care. Yeah. I just want, I want there to be, I don't want anybody left out. Right. I want everybody to be included. Yes. Who's not supposed to win here? Because that's who I want to cheer for, <laughs> exactly, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's right. Who's ever behind? You know, that's who. That's who I want to. Have, you know, that's who I want to have catch up. So, yeah. It. So that is something that that has been in really an underlying mm-hmm. um, part of of my passion. And how interesting to have. I mean, that's a gift. It's probably a spiritual gift. You know, and and like you say, it took some hindsight, right? But that was you. That was revealed even as young as three or four years old. You had that. Right, the perception of yeah. shapes on a TV screen—that's yeah. fascinating. <laughs> right, that right. is amazing. So, right. uh, do you have other experiences that you want to share before so, I ask my next question? Yeah, so okay. Other experiences. So, when I was in high school, yeah. sixteen, I was sitting in my counselor's office, my advisement counselor. Okay. And I remember looking at the posters above, you know, in her office, and right. here was this poster of an eagle, and you, you know. Just the wind beneath your wings, yeah. or I mean, I know, yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, there was just some positive um, statement or yes. something you'd see, and and I remember sitting there thinking, that's what I want to do. Oh. I want to be someone who is encouraging and inclusive. I want to help people feel that. <sighs> yeah, that's what I, I want to help them soar. I want to help them soar. Fun. So yeah, so those were two from you know yeah. young experiences. Yeah, when I got to when I got to as, as a senior in high school, looking for a major. Yeah. Um, I remember I didn't have any idea, and so I just took the list of the majors, and I just went through and thought, you know what? If something jumps out at me, and when I got down to special education, mm. it lit up the page, and I could feel it in my body. I mm. knew that that was what I wanted to do. And I don't think I knew that about you. Really? So you majored in... Special education. Special education. Mm-hmm. And is there a certain emphasis in that well, realm? Yeah, it was It was a certification in a mild and moderate learning disabilities. Okay. I had been diagnosed with a learning disability. Okay. And so huh. it, was, it was a very... It was a sensitive place for me. Yeah. And um, I knew I wanted to help people in that realm. So... I ended up never changing the major. I continued on through, and and I think it just really fed into just defining more of me. Right. That's so fascinating. What can you tell me, I guess, about maybe recent experiences in your counseling practice, you know, that just have 
illustrated or convey the power of therapy, like why therapy can be a powerful treatment. And it's not treatment. Help me out here, you know? I, you know, option for people. Anyway, why is it so powerful (laughs) to understand what you, what you do? Yeah. I, um, when I think of the word, um, when I think of the word power, I think of strength. Okay. And I think what does therapy offer, um, that can strengthen an individual? And one of the things that I love about therapy is, um, just like, you know, going to soccer practice, Mm -hmm. right? The reason we go to soccer practice is so that we can play in the game and Mm -hmm. we have the skill, we've practiced the skills and Mm -hmm. we've played different positions and Mm -hmm. there's a variety of exercise that we can do in the practice so we can play in the game. Well, that's for, to me, that's what therapy is. Therapy is creating a relationship that you can exercise so that you can take it out in the real world and you can, you can put into practice the things that that you want to have in your intimate relationships, that you mm-hmm. want to have in your family, you want to have in friends, you want to have in yourself. Yeah. You know, and you can tug and pull at this relationship. This isn't about someone, you know, someone getting offended. Right. This is a this is a place where you can be you in your rawest form. And honestly, when we can have an environment, a place where we can feel comfortable being vulnerable. I love this. Okay, so that analogy of soccer. So would it be fair to say that you are my coach as I learn sort of the skills and drills? Like if I'm on the soccer field, I got to know how to dribble the ball and not trip over it, right? <laughs> so, so, and I got I to gotta kick and I got to know that, that the ball will go in the direction that I intend it to go. So give me a couple skills that relate to life you know, so if my therapist is my coach, you're, you're not going to get mad at me for tripping the first time or kicking in the wrong direction. You're going to help me. You're going to say, hey, try this instead. Try turning your foot this direction. I don't know. I, I didn't intend to ask you this, but I'm in love with that analogy. So give me, what's a skill maybe that, that you practice with your clients as their coach slash therapist? And does that make sense what I'm asking? Yeah. And I, and, and there is a delineation now in our culture about mm-hmm coaches versus therapy yes. because they, they both the practices that they do are different right but in terms of the soccer analogy yeah I, I would I would say honestly that I'm not so much the coach uh-huh. that I am um, I'm another member of the team my philosophy is uh, this isn't about telling an individual what to do okay um, because you want to as a therapist for me the most powerful form of motivation is going to come intrinsically. Mm. My job is to help present perspective, present option, and move with the client in okay. the direction that they are going. I want to get up alongside the client. So you're more of a, hey, you tripped, let me pick you up and let's do this together. Or... I, exact, I want to join them wherever they are. Because where they are... Yeah is then they can have the perspective where they need to go. I mm-hmm. don't have any idea where mm-hmm. the client needs to go. This is their process. And I think that um, one of the most powerful motivations to when we talk about the power of therapy and to strengthen mm-hmm. an individual is for someone to be truly seen and truly heard for mm. exactly where they are. Mm. And I think that that is what makes... Um, the power of therapy Mm -hmm. so beautiful Mm -hmm. because you have a partner 
wherever you are, mm-hmm. where however snarky you want to be, however, <laughs> you know, wherever yeah. you are yeah. in that moment, you have someone who is right there with you. Yeah. And the power of being seen for exactly who you are and where you are, even if it's shameful, mm-hmm. what, whatever, whatever the environment where you feel you're in, mm-hmm. you, you have a partner with you right there. And you can't start and try to, like you say, develop any other strength or resilience unless you can be okay with where you are right now, right? I mean, so that makes agreed. sense to me. So agreed. Yeah. You have to start where you are. So I'm curious, in your practice, um, and you've told me in the past that you have focused on something called emotionally, you'll have to help me say it right, emotional Emotion- focused, focused therapy. therapy. Okay, EFT, emotional focused therapy. Why? Why is that your approach? Why did that appeal to you when you were becoming a therapist? Emotionally focused therapy is um, uh, has a foundation in a model uh, or a theory, I guess I should say. It's okay. an attachment theory. The, the attachment model is um, understanding how we are organized hmm. in the world based on how we were attended to by our caretakers, whether it's a parent, mom or a dad, or a step-parent, or an adoptive family. We look to our adult caretakers to model for us and help us with how to navigate the world. Sure. Um, And what, um, what Dr. Bowlby came up with was different types of attachment forms. Okay. And the, there are four. Um, okay. the, the first one is a secure attachment. A secure attachment looks like a child who has a parent who, when the child becomes upset, um, the, the parent will take some time, will slow down, and make some space for letting the child explore what they're feeling. Okay. And they'll check in and say, what's going on? Um, the, there are other types of attachment where parents um, aren't as open um, to creating the space for the child. Okay. So there, there's an, there's an attachment, um, an anxious attachment, where the parent will um, sometimes be available for the child and sometimes not. Mm-hmm. So the child never really knows mm. if they are, um, if they're going to be attended to when they are upset. Interesting. Um, and then there's an avoidant attachment, and of course, these are. This is just the glossing over sure. of all of yes. all of this. Yes. But the avoidant attachment is where the child learns that the parent is not emotionally present for them. Okay. Not going to attend to what is going on for them. So not going to acknowledge how they're feeling or what they're experiencing. Okay. Exactly. Okay. And and then we have something called a disorganized attachment, and that gets convoluted when we have um, trauma with Mm. the child. So if there's some physical abuse, um, that the child is then very confused and disorganized as they are trying to use this parent to model for them, and yet this is a a parent or a caretaker who gives harm to them as well. So it's very disorganized and confused. Okay. Um, So most children grow up in a secure attachment. Yeah. Um, where they're really given time to explore this emotional navigation system. When I'm angry, what does it mean? When I'm sad, what does it mean? 
and this isn't something we're born with. It's something that we that we practice mm-hmm. and we learn and we experience based on our mm-hmm. life experiences. I was introduced. I was introduced to EFT when I was um, doing one of my internships toward my licensure, and I was working in a low um, low cost facility. And I remember one of the interns there um, was a woman by the name of Kathy. And there was something unique about her. And I remember asking her, I was, being, I was so taken with how I felt when I was around her, mm-hmm. that I remember asking her if there was a particular model of therapy that she practiced. And she said, I, um, I use the EFT model. And I'm like, what is that? And she explained it to me. And I was so taken with her as a human, I thought, that is how I want to exist in the world, mm. in relation to other people. I mm. want to be this warmth. I want to create this warmth mm-hmm. of how I felt around her. I wanted to do that in the world for other people. And um, Well, and I'm pretty sure I knew you before. You knew Kathy. <laughs> So I'm just telling you right now that you are, you have been always this warmth. <laughs> Thank you. But I'm glad that Kathy directed you. Kathy directed me. <laughs> directed you to find that. Toward the EMT yes. model. Yes. yes. And to listeners, isn't she warm? Like you, you can tell, right? Her voice, right? You just feel like, oh, I hope you're not trying to do a really hardcore cardio workout right now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Diane is is calming you, right? Your heart rate, you're having a hard time raising your heart rate around Diane. That is the goal, is to decompress the nervous system. I love it. It's so amazing. That is the goal. And I'm so glad you found that because it really does, as you described to me what it is and how it is based in these different attachment theories, it makes so much sense having known you for 30 plus years that, that that really is what you naturally do for people is create that that sense of security and that sense of well-being like you are okay you've always made me feel like I was okay <laughs> Diane <laughs> I'm sorry okay I, I totally cut you off did you have something else to add no I oh. just well I was when I when I moved into the training programs yeah. with EFT I sat down in my very first training program and I looked at the slides that the facilitators were offering and there and I, I will probably get emotional because this is how I knew. Yeah. It was a picture of a girl and she was on a horse. The horse was jumping over, you know, a fence. Okay. And something interesting about the girl is I think most most of us, if we're having a horse that's going to jump over a fence, we're gonna be holding on, right? Right. We're gonna be holding on to the mane or yeah. the pummel or the <laughs> reins or something. Yeah. And she had her arms outstretched at a ninety degree angle. to her body and as I sat there I I sat there and stared at that picture Hmm. and the most powerful thing came to me is this is what EFT is it is a relationship Hmm. of trust that here is this here is this child this girl Hmm. who is trusting that this horse Mm -hmm. will take care of her Mm -hmm. and it, the horse is attending to her, the horse is engaged, wow. and the horse is responsive. Wow. And these are the keys to EFT. And, um, and so she's free to just enjoy the experience. Yes. <laughs> because of 
that security that she feels, this trust that she has in this animal. Yeah. Wow. That is huh. that is the heart of EFT. I love and, it. Um, Dr. Sue Johnson has um, brought in this acronym of ARE, attentiveness, responsiveness, and engagement. And these are the three base baseline points huh. of what being emotionally focused and um, is. Wow. So it was a it wow. was a picture that struck me, and I knew that. This was well, and right now, of course, I'm thinking I'm going to Google this image and see if we can put this in the show notes, right? It would be so fun to have it. So, oh, I would love if you can find it because I have tried. (laughs) Oh, really? Okay, and I, and you know what, if anyone can find it, you can find it. (laughs) All right, we'll see. Challenge accepted. Okay, all right, okay, so that's beautiful, Diane. Um, what I want to do is like leverage this expertise and this insight that you that you have and that you share so willingly to right now. Let's be present. We are in the midst of a worldwide pandemic. There are all kinds of other things that that feel, it's upheaval. It feels upside down. It feels heavy. It very often feels contentious. So what are some things that I can do and that my listeners can do or begin to do, even if we don't have a therapist, right, to create that safe space for us? What are some things we can do in our own daily lives uh, to, to, to build some emotional health? It was kind of a super long question. Do you know what I'm asking? <laughs> what yeah. is this about and how do I turn it into something that I can, you know, learn from? Yeah. Or what can I do? I think that's such a great question. We are all in experiencing the exact same thing, even mm-hmm. though all of us are experiencing it differently. Right. I think what we are experiencing is a shift of a reminder that all of the worldly things that we have um, come to rely on um, are not uh, not a secure foundation. Interesting. They're not a secure base. Which, and you've been telling me how important security is. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what do I do, Diane? <laughs> what do I do now? Yeah. And and yeah. I think all I think all of us mm-hmm. are in that very same spot of um, what can I rely right. on? Right. And I think um, the most important thing that can we can rely on is that life is going to change yeah and the attitude of how can i look at change how do i look at change do i look at it as um something horrible in my life um where i feel very rigid and i hold on to these circumstances um, and then they change and then how do i handle that the one thing we can count on is change and are the question is how do we respond to change yeah that's what we want to look at. Interesting. And if we take a look at our emotional resilience with change, I think is the key to moving through a pandemic or um, a, a troubled marriage or health issues or mm. financial struggles or um, uh, changes in government or political issues or right. racial issues. How do we handle change? Do we look at it as an opportunity for learning, mm-hmm. or do we do we look at it as an opportunity as as a failure? Right. Um, so I think when we can be resilient uh, and emotionally connected to this change, relishing it as a time oh. to um, to improve ourselves yeah. and 
increase and, and even ability. just to recognize that we are learning whether whether we're doing it kicking and screaming right I don't know I, I I just think I'm always a big fan of of curiosity so I can either look at any change and I can be like fearful or resistant or I can be like this is curious like okay so what's gonna happen next or how am I going to what am I gonna learn here or what new skills am I gonna develop and now I'm taking over so <laughs> it's just trying to mirror what you were saying to me so I don't know if that's no, but, that says it so beautifully. It, that's I don't that's know. so it. You know, no. I think about the acronym. You know, an acronym that can be looked. You know, that we that for in the word fail. F A I L. Oh. Okay. First attempt in learning. Okay. And oh my gosh, I've never heard that. I you, love that. You've not heard. So that when before. you fail, that's a first attempt in learning. Get back up. Let's keep going. Yes. <laughs> And wow. maybe it's the fourth or the yeah. fifth or the fiftieth there we go. attempt in learning. Oh, I love it. But the fact that we are that we have what like what you were saying, that ability to be curious about mm. the experience mm-hmm. is the first and most important tool mm. to moving us into a path of flexibility rather than rigidity. Okay. Mm. Mm. You're so smart. I love you. <laughs> I just had a thought and I'm like, what was the thought I had? Hold on. Oh, well, and I want to, and I want to add, um, you know, and my listeners know this, they know that I love stories. I love storytelling. I, I love family stories. I particularly love stories that connect, you know, me to ancestors and to other people across time and space. You know what I mean? There's so much strength for me in that. There's so much resiliency. So when I can know a little bit more about a great grandmother's life and, and then sort of be in the midst of my own whatever it is that I'm making difficult and then remember what she did, you know, then I draw resiliency just from that, reading about her life and the changes she, you know, lived through. We, we like to think the world's never been as crazy it is, as, you know, as it is right now. Well, guess what? Yeah, it actually has. <laughs> and guess who lived through it? Your great-grandmother. You know what I mean? And so I think there's, anyway, that just reminds me of, um, I draw so much resiliency from knowing other people's stories. So, anyway. And knowing your family stories because you are in them. Yes, and and they they are are in me. Yes. Oh, my gosh. You guys, I I can't even tell you how much I love this woman. She's so (laughs) fun to talk to. I wish I could just take you on all of the walks and all of the things that we do together because she just, uh, I love it. you know I would be there in a heartbeat. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I just have this one more question that I want to sneak in, okay, If, if that's okay. Because I'm learning so much and I know that you, and and this is really what I'm thinking, that maybe other people are thinking. Are you ready for this? How do you know? How does someone know? And especially, again, right now and with all that we're dealing with, you talked about we're, we're all universally dealing with this, but it's manifesting differently in each of our lives. How do you know if you could benefit from professional counseling? And then how do you find a good counselor? Is that an okay question to ask? Such a great question. (laughs) Such a great question. And I think I think that um, the over maybe the easiest way to the question that I would ask is, do you have enough of what you like to do in your life? Because life is not about the circumstances and the things that happen to us, but it's how we perceive them and how we use them to create happiness and joy in our life. As we talked earlier about being curious about 
the experiences that we know are coming because that's the one thing we can count on that is a sure foundation, it's a rock we can plant ourselves <laughs> on, is that change is going to happen in our yeah. lives. Huh. And if we are not emotionally resilient or have the skills to be resilient for this change, it's going gonna, it's gonna, to you know, cut us off at the knees every right. time. So for us to take a look at our lives and say, do I have enough of what I want to do? In my life wow and if we don't and we don't know how to get it that I think is a time to go in and to talk to someone about hey how can I look at my life differently oh my and goodness there are a variety that is of not the answer I thought you would give I'm cutting <laughs> you off again that's so interesting to me do I have enough of what I want in my life and I think that that can come from a variety of different relationships. Maybe it is a therapeutic relationship. Maybe it's a coaching relationship. Maybe it's more time with friends. Maybe it's, you know, whatever sort of exposure um, of moving to um, creating more resiliency. And if we're mm. needing, you know, a, you know, a weekly or a bi-weekly therapy relationship, mm -hmm. that's for us to go and explore. Um, but I think that was that would be is what I would say is where we would start with. That's I love that. I love that. So how does someone? Is there there must be, you know, if I if I decide I want a professional counselor, what am I looking for? What am I looking for in in a counseling relationship? I would I would say that study studies have shown that the most important catalyst for change is the relationship with the therapist. It's not mm. actually the model, it's not actually um, the homework, the psychoeducation. Not where they went to school. It's not where they went to school, it's not what they had for lunch. <laughs> it's, it is the relationship bet between the client and the therapist. Oh. The reason being is when we feel safe with other people, we can move into a place of vulnerability. And vulnerability offers the greatest catalyst for change because wow. we are not we're not hampered by the, the calluses we've established in life um, that we are free we are it, it's an organic experience so I think that one of a good place to go is if you know someone a friend who um, has you know has a great relationship with a therapist you might ask them mm -hmm. um, it's a good uh, idea I know that uh, there are uh, psychology today Mm -hmm. is um, a great resource. You can go online and um, psychologytoday.com. You can go in and type in your, your city and there will be a number of therapists that will pop up. They will all talk about their specialty. Therapists like to treat clients, they like to treat their ideal clients. That makes sense that, that I'm not only looking for a therapist, but a therapist is looking for me. Yes. So just to spend a little time in research phase and, and maybe let's say you make an appointment with a therapist and you can tell right off the bat, you know, that, that maybe you aren't going to feel comfortable. This isn't going to be a relationship. Then you just keep looking. Is that kind of what you're saying? It's exactly. really more about the relationship that you will be able to develop with, with the therapist. So. And yes, and that comes from an inherent sense that, yes, that you you're going to know it. You're gonna, it's going to click with you, yeah. and you're going to know. Oh, my goodness. See? So. Again, wisdom. <laughs> wisdom from Diane. Okay. 
Okay, Why do you well, think I keep you around as my friend? Uh, because you can shed wisdom into my <laughs> because, life? Yes. Because that's because you are my <laughs> magnet for wisdom. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> okay, so I'm trying to decide. I think, we, I think we have to wrap up as sad as that is for me, but I am going to ask you a couple of questions, and I know that you'll continue to give me insight um, there. So at the end of every you know, interview, I like to ask about, I call it the people, places, things. So I want you to tell me right now about a person, a place, or a thing that has Diane's attention right now. I would say right now, um, I have Dale Carnegie in Ooh. my sights. Okay. He, I, and I'm sure you're familiar and so many yeah. of like your listeners are. Making friends or influencing people or something like that. Making friends and influence people. Uh, and I, I, I really, um, in my wallet, I have a, I have a cheat sheet. You're which, kidding. That's awesome. I have a cheat sheet. She just pulled it out, guys. She's his, looking at it. His six principles. No way. And of how to handle people win people to your way of thinking oh. how to be a leader six ways to make people like you these are all he was a master huh. at um emotional connection really which yeah. is my passion as i'm trying to understand within myself and i'm trying to offer um people space to explore that in yeah. our therapy you know so are you reading also. his book then or what i am reading his book Oh. Um, and it's actually, um, it's actually, uh, yes, I'm actually on my second go round here okay. because I, I respond well to repetition. So yeah. I'm reading it and I'm rereading it. Huh. Um, but one of the things that I love about this book and his principles are that, um, that we can cre- create in our relationships a, um, a sense of, uh, safety and connection in huh. how we talk to people and how we relate to them, Ugh. and I think that is a beautiful way to have yeah. to to have an existence. Yep. Um, and I really want to hone my skills in um, on this, and so I love that. that okay, well, I attention. think I have never actually read that book, and I think now I'm inspired to do so. And I think a lot about our kids' generation and all of the. I'm a big fan of technology. All of the tools that they have at their disposal, but I have seen, you know, uh, they, they have less practice talking to people and connecting in a personal right way. And so, I know I'm just sitting here listening to you going, I'm going to read that book because it's probably going to help me help them. You know what I mean? Or just be that kind of person that can create connection and more safety and more security with my, with my offspring. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So. Yeah. Agreed. uh, I'm trying to do the exact same thing. Adult children is yeah. A new a new department. Yeah. And yeah. It's a great department. It's but, a great department. Wouldn't trade it. But it's change. And we're and we're developing resiliency around that, right? Yes, That's my new we thing. Are. Okay, so my final question is one you might be familiar with because you were on the podcast, you know, a year ago. But I want you to fill in the blank. I have exactly enough time for. I have exactly enough time to be curious. Because curiosity is the beginning to an awareness of something new. Hmm. I love it. Whatever that is. I love it. Okay, my friend. You're the best. Thanks. I love you. I love you you more than you love me. Guaranteed. (laughs) Turning off the machine right now. (laughs) I'm telling you, she's like a walk in the forest or a cup of herbal tea or music therapy. (laughs) This girl just, um, I just love 
spending time with her and talk about some good nuggets, right? Just this idea of do you have enough of what you want in your life? Can you use change as a foundation for building emotional resilience? So good, so amazing, so much to think about. Okay, now here's the deal before I let you go. I am going to share with you a really fun episode next week all about having more fun in our families. And I would love to hear yet one or two more SpeakPipe messages. I have a couple to share with you, but I'd love a couple more. So if you're listening to this in October 2020 and you have a way that you have created fun with your family, I want you to send me a SpeakPipe message so that I can share your idea or ideas with others who listen, okay? All right, you guys, have a fantastic week. Enjoy whatever is happening right now in your life and promise me you'll make time to come back next Thursday for another episode of Exactly Enough Time. Thank you.